Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. This is Geraldo Rivera reporting Roadkill, my political podcast, the view of the world and world of politics from the middle of the road, a moderate's view. Uh, today, we have all kinds of things to talk about. I'm in New York. Uh, they lit the iconic Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, uh, but they also, uh, uh, you know, have plenty of crowds and back to New York. It uh, seems like the city is coming back alive, uh, despite the fact that we've got the variant and every other thing troubling us. But the people are back on the streets. President Trump made an appearance on Fox and Friends uh, this morning. He had some newsmaking things to say about whether or not the first lady would accompany him back to Washington, D.C. He won a uh, bid for re-election. He talks about uh, vaccines. He talks about the conservative majority uh, that, uh, thanks to him, on the Supreme Court of the United States and what it's going to do with Roe v. Wade, uh, the, uh, the, the long-standing decision on abortion rights in this country. I think uh, Roe v. Wade is right now on the precipice of being overturned. We'll talk about that uh, today. We'll talk about uh, Alec Baldwin speaks out about, uh, you know, shooting uh, the, uh, uh, the director to death. Uh, he claims he didn't pull the trigger. We'll talk about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Trump and the Supreme Court. This abortion thing is, is huge and will affect many, many people's lives. And we'll talk about it today. Here's Roadkill. Roadkill with Geraldo Rivera. Thursday, December 2nd, here in New York. A million things to talk about. Let me just start with the, uh, the least cosmic or universal. The tree was lit uh, here in New York, where I, uh, I continue to reside. Uh, this morning, be home in Cleveland tomorrow. Uh, but they lit the tree, the wonderful Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. And they, you know, it's right around the corner. There was a huge crowd in my hotel uh, last night. You can just barely see the, uh, the almost 80 foot tall tree decorated with the 50,000 lights and the 900 pound star on top of it. Uh, lots of traffic on 6th Avenue in front of Fox News which is why I'm here, obviously, uh, on 6th Avenue. And then 5th uh, Avenue jammed. Uh, last night was tons of cops everywhere. And everybody was in a good mood. The weather, as in Cleveland, uh, unseasonably uh, mild uh, for December uh, the 2nd. But people getting into the spirit. It's, it's fun to see the city coming back alive after the grim, the grim days of the... Uh, uh, the height of the pandemic, obviously still lots and lots of questions about what the rules should be. Uh, Joe Biden, the president, seems to be uh, scrambling and struggling with how to deal with everything. I, I note with uh, interest, Rob, that uh, Amy Acton, uh, uh, the uh, state health lady, I forget her exact title, uh, who was very controversial with Governor DeWine and his efforts uh, to fight the pandemic in Ohio, uh, she's just been selected by Justin Bibb, the mayor-elect, uh, to be part of his transition team. I, that's the first 
thing that he's done that uh, I approve of. I, I think that she did a hell of a job. I know that she was very controversial, but I mean, the whole damn thing is. Uh, but the fact that he reached out to her, I thought was uh, was a good move. What do you think? Well, yeah, I like that too, just because it's, you know, it was somebody who was in charge of an entire state. Now you're not even talking about in charge of an of a county. Of, and I don't even know what her role really is going to be in his administration in the transition, but I would assume it'd be public health oriented. Uh, the the fact that it is just Cleveland proper she's worried about it is just you know that that small area you know, that that's that that's a nice downgrade I think for I know she was talking about the Senate race you know that was coming up in a, in about a year or so I think this is probably the best spot for her right now yeah me too me too yeah. and I I think that uh, it shows he's uh, he's maybe more mature than uh, than I figured I think it's yeah. a, it's a good both okay enough well, about that well I was just gonna say too, but, okay I was just gonna say too real quick that I don't think she'll have the same backlash that she did while she was in her state position because I th- you know with with Cleveland being a little yeah. more democratic and a little bit more blue, I think she'll fare a little bit better up here. Yeah, you think? Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're, we're glad about that. Uh, Erica also uh, gives a hearty uh, thumbs up to Amy Acton coming uh, to Cleveland. So, so many things to talk about. President Trump was just on Fox and Friends. I was on uh, Neil Cavuto's uh, fine four o'clock show about abortion and about the Supreme Court poised now, it seems to me. Uh, to overthrow Roe v. Wade. I never thought that that could be possible, uh, but it is happening. We'll talk about it in the second half hour today. I'd be uh, delighted to take your calls on it. Uh, but, but President, I want to start with President Trump, who made a visit, at least over the telephone, uh, to Fox & Friends, the show that I, uh, I proudly appear on every Friday. The president uh, coming on, talking in a very wide-ranging uh, interview with the president, the former president, uh, Donald Trump uh, talking in a very wide-ranging interview with uh, uh, my, my colleagues. Uh, the first thing he talked about, and I thought it was very interesting, it was fascinating, was the rumor that leaked yesterday uh, that the first lady of the United States, Melania Trump, would actually leave President Trump if he ran for president again, that she would refuse to go to Washington, D.C., even if he were reelected. Uh, so uh, President Trump, uh, that was his, you know, I thought one of the most fascinating questions. Uh, would the first lady uh, resist, to say it kindly, uh, the, the president uh, running for reelection and winning? Would she, would she refuse to go to Washington, D.C.? Trump won. All right. So here is Trump on the first lady's alleged reluctance. And is it true that the first lady, Melania Trump, the former first lady, has told you, I'm not going back if you run again? No, that's not true. That's an interesting one. But more fake news. No, that's not true. Fake news. All uh, right. She was a great first lady. She did a great job. But she loves the people. They love her. I see how they love her. I wonder uh, if, uh, if that's true. I mean, I, he made a little chuckle, the president. He didn't uh, confront it directly. Uh, but knowing the first lady, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't profess to know her. I don't know the first lady the way I know the former president. I didn't, uh, you know, I, I can't say that I spent any uh, any real uh, hangout time with the first lady. But it just seems to me that uh, she is a completely independent person. I know that she was very hurt by the way she was treated as first lady, and I, I totally agree with her. I think it was shameful the way. Uh, uh, the, for instance, the fashion magazines. How could they not put Melania Trump 
on the cover of Vogue or Cosmopolitan or Town and Country, uh, any of those uh, great fashions. Every other first lady, and you still Jill Biden now is getting that uh, that treatment. But the fashion, the fashionista, uh, really uh, have behaved so rudely to the first lady. And I don't know why she would want to go back into that job. Uh, she certainly doesn't need the uh, the higher profile. Uh, so I I believed. Uh, uh, you know, her statements of reluctance to go back to Washington, the president kind of poo-pooed it. Uh, but I thought that that was, uh, that was fascinating. Uh, the other thing that he talked about was the, uh, the fact that he was the person most responsible for Operation Warp, Warp Speed that got uh, vaccines that were available. Uh, so, you know, vaccines, uh, now that 70-plus percent of the nation have, has been vac- uh, vaccinated, uh, vaccines, though, uh, mandates and so forth remain very, very uh, controversial. Uh, so the president was asked about uh, the vaccines on Fox and Friends. Here again, the president. Well, Mr. President, why wouldn't people trust the vaccines? They were developed during your administration. Well, a couple of things. Number one, they did a, a pause on Johnson & Johnson, which really set shocks through. Over six people that didn't die, by the way, but six people and... For that, millions and millions of shots given, and they did the pause with Johnson and Johnson. That was very bad, uh, and they just haven't been able to sell it. People are not—they are not trusting this administration. And if you remember, when uh, during the debate, I think she said and he said, "Oh, if it's Trump, I won't take the vaccine. I won't take the vaccine." And then, as soon as he got elected, he tried to claim that he did it, but he forgot that he got a shot into my during my administration. He got a shot. But there was just a great distrust of mandates and really hurting things with the economy with the mandates, well, in addition to other things. Another thing he spoke about, Rob, was, uh, you know, this snatch and grab, the, uh, the organized uh, robberies with 30, 40 uh, mostly uh, young men, uh, you know, set upon these stores and rob at will. Uh, knowing that the cops in jurisdictions like San Francisco and Los Angeles would do nothing. I wonder what the cops would do in downtown Cleveland now if 30 or 40, uh, you know, uh, of these young racketeers smashed into uh, one of the big department stores. The way they looted uh, after the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the George Floyd uh, tragedy uh, now they're doing it without regard to and not pegging it to any, uh, uh, you know, any controversy. They're just doing it to rob, just doing it uh, in a way that uh, is, uh, is shocking. And he said, Trump said, uh, maybe you can find it later in the program. Trump said that that could never happen under his administration, that he would, uh, you know, because he, we support he supported uh, cops in a way. Uh, that uh, perhaps President Biden is not perceived to be support cops. Uh, but I, I just think that, to me, that is such a grotesque affront to civilization that a mob can feel uh, that they can loot with impunity, knowing that the local prosecutors in places like San Francisco are not going to do anything about it. I mean, it just to me, uh, it gives you such a a sense that uh, civilization is breaking down. If the rules don't apply, if if there's no fear uh, that uh, you know a violent trespass where 
uh, you know, a, a cop, an off-duty cop or a retired cop who was working security defending a news team was shot dead. I mean, how could, how could that happen that we, uh, that with all the SWAT teams we have, with all the capability that cops have, uh, to hold them back and allow, uh, you know, uh, this, this, uh, this wanton, uh, you know, uh, display of, of, of greed and, and violence, to let it go uh, unimpeded is, is to me so shocking. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, that it, uh, it really, uh, to me, makes, uh, you know, a mockery of the rules of, uh, of society and civilization. And I, I really, I, I I blame the authorities. I, I you know, I, I'm a conservative, but my God, I support cops. I support law and order. I support civilization over anarchy. And to do nothing to withhold the cops and allow uh, these uh, these these promiscuous uh, uh, flaunting of, of any societal rules and limitations just appalling to me yeah this is it, it almost seems like this is something we'd be watching in deadwood or old western where you know you, you had the county sheriff and that was about it but i think this is kind of a culmination of a group of people who haven't had a whole lot of faith and trust in law enforcement and then you know the fact of local leaders now kind of stripping them from what they can do with suspects and what they cannot do with suspects i wouldn't i disagree with trump uh, president trump here i wouldn't put it on president biden i'm putting that on the local leadership because the original question you asked me was, what would Cleveland PD do in this situation? The the, the hypothetical I, I need to know is, is it happening before or after Prop 24 takes effect? Because that's going to change a lot of things, and that's not a Biden hope, thing or I a national not. thing. So. You're right, and, uh, and Cleveland is way out of step. Yeah. Because defund the police and bail reform are two things that are not happening anywhere else anymore well bail reform unfortunately is happening in uh, uh, with that guy uh, brooks who ran down the uh, the parade people in uh, wisconsin killing what he killed six of them out on one thousand dollars bail after running over his wife uh, it's just uh, some horrible horrible things going on there yeah did you hear I, uh, before, oh, i'm sorry did what? you hear real quick that he's now complaining that he feels demonized by uh, the media and the uh, society at general the guy <laughs> yeah, who right, ran right. down a half he dozen yeah. six. A mass murderer feels demonized. Yeah, he should. He is demonized. He is a demon. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not, you're not, you know, you don't call it demonizing when you are, in fact, uh, exactly what the uh, the allegation yeah. is. He's a heartless uh, punk who, uh, with a 50-page rap sheet, gets out on $1,000 bail. I mean, it is absolutely pathetic. Okay, one thing I want to do before uh, 
before we run out of time and, and get to the news, is uh, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin broke his silence. The actor Alec Baldwin broke his silence. I know I'm all over the place this morning, but there's so many things I wanted to talk about, including abortion. I'm going to get to that in the second half of the show. But Alec Baldwin was, uh, I think he broke his silence. I forget who he was interviewed by, but he was asked about uh, the fatal moment where he took the prop gun and shot and killed uh, the uh, the director uh, or the second director and then wounded uh, uh, the first director. Alec Baldwin making a, a bizarre claim. Remember, he was the one that held the weapon. He was the one who pulled the trigger. He was the one that killed, uh, you know, the uh, the director. Uh, but here is how Alec Baldwin responded when asked about that fatal moment, his actor, Alec Baldwin. You described it as a one in a trillion shot and the gun was in your hand. How do you come to terms with that? It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So no. you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. What did you think happened? What do you think happened? That's George Stephanopoulos. Uh, I guess, what is that, a tease you got from their interview with the Ayers yeah, they, Yeah, they've been hyping this up. I, this is basically a trailer for the interview. Yeah, it'll be, uh, I think, 8 o'clock tonight on ABC. So George Stephanopoulos yeah. interviewed Alec Baldwin, who claims in a bizarre way uh, that he did not pull the trigger. Speaking of pulling the trigger, uh, the, uh, the Michigan kid who killed all those classmates, uh, what, four so far have died. Many, there's still plenty in the hospital. Uh, do you know that he was called into school the Monday? On, on Monday, he was, he was called to the carpet. Uh, the school administration was extremely concerned about his behavior. The kid goes home, comes back the next day. He's called in again to school authorities. His parents are called in also uh, to speak to school authorities. The parents are listening to these school authorities talking about their son's aberrant behavior. And then they go home. The kid gets his gun that the father gave him that he bought him on his 15th birthday. Kid gets the gun and goes and kills four students right after the parents leave. So my question to you is, shouldn't the parents be also charged criminally with negligent homicide at the very least arming a kid knowing that he had behavioral problems, problems so severe. I mean, you have parents out there, your grandparents out there. If the school authorities are so concerned that they meet with your kid twice and they call you into school, you give the, the kid the gun anyway? Shouldn't they be charged with criminally negligent homicide? I mean, I, that, make that the first question I ask you. Shouldn't the parents be charged in that Michigan school case? Uh, that don't, don't they have some responsibility? Don't you have a responsibility? Many of you are gun owners, as I am. Don't you have a responsibility to keep your weapon safe and away from your kid? Much less the, uh, the flamboyantly reckless gesture of giving your kid the weapon and the live ammunition, knowing the kid is troubled knowing the kid is having disciplinary problems, knowing that the school authorities are so concerned that they call you into the school two days and they speak with your kid and you, and then you go home? Did you not think, where is the 
kid's weapon? Did the kid take the gun to school? It is, to me, at, it is the most unbelievably reckless, grotesquely negligent act by these parents. Did the parents know where that gun was? Uh, this is something that I absolutely uh, believe these parents should be criminally, cr criminally charged. I mean, maybe they have some defense of, uh, of somehow not knowing what was going on, but how could that be? How could they be? They just bought him the gun and all that ammo. You know, they say that after he shot and killed the four classmates and wounded all those others, when the sheriff's deputies arrived and he meekly surrendered, he still had 18 rounds in his pocket. I mean, it could have been even worse. I mean, parents have to be the first line of defense. In, these case, in this case, it looks like they were complicit, at least through their negligence, in allowing this, uh, uh, this young man who's being, I say man, he's a kid, but he's being charged as, a, as an adult, as well he should be. Uh, giving him a gun and then allowing him to go to school and commit uh, this uh, this uh, obscene mass murder is just uh, just absolutely appalling. Erica, I think, will be joining us at the end of the program today. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the Supreme Court and abortion. I know you, most of you, uh, abortion is uh, is ir irrelevant in some ways, uh, except that you are grandparents, many of you, uh, and. Uh, women's rights and uh, the, the rights of the, uh, the unborn are something that's uh, very, very challenging. I'll get to that in a moment. Let me get to the uh, phone calls first. 216-578-1100, take a couple of them. Uh, in Westlake, Bill is calling. Bill, what's on your mind, buddy? Um, Geraldo, you uh, just a bit ago, you were carrying on about uh, the uh, um, negligent uh, uh, homicide for the parents in reference to this Michigan tragedy. Um, right. I, I think you should actually perhaps address from a legal point of view, the very basis of uh, so much in Western law, it has to do with when somebody commits the crime, they are the one responsible, not a village, not a family, not your brother, not your father. Um, and that people have individual responsibility. And, you know, I, I, I suppose it was nice and emotive for you to carry on uh, about that. But wait, 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 Bill, before you get snotty. Wait, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on a second. Let me respond to you. Let me respond, Bill. You have a situation where, yes, of course, the kid is responsible primarily. But if you buy a 15-year-old a gun, the 15-year-old is troubled. You're called into school because the kid is so disturbed that the parents, uh, I mean, that the school officials are concerned that the, the kid's going to do something harmful, and you don't think that the gun you gave the kid the day before might be an issue? I mean, come exactly. on. Exactly. Yes, yes, you can think that. And, and plenty of people do, because right-ordered minds do not always go to the criminal element. And that's the, that's the exact reason we have criminal courts, is because the human mind demonstrates itself repeatedly. I, I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't understand what you're talking about. Do, do the parents have some responsibility or not? He dropped, but uh, really the analogy I'm thinking of is that if you had, a, you know, if Soul was 16, 17 years old and had her driver's license, and you gave her a handle of Johnny Walker Blue, and she went out and did whatever she did and wrapped her stuff around a telephone pole. You as a parent, I would assume, would be liable. Yeah, God forbid. God forbid. But you're not going to be that dumb to do that. 
because any parent I think who would be that dumb would be criminally liable for something along that line. It's alcohol. It's something you're not allowed to have before a certain age, and you're giving it to a child, and they're going to abuse it. That's Well, I think that the parents are definitely, in my opinion, the parents are suspects for criminally negligent homicide. At the very least, uh, they should be questioned closely. I don't think that they have ordered their, their child, their son, not to cooperate with the authorities, to say nothing. I don't know whether they are going to talk or not. Uh, I'd be very interested in, uh, in their defense of why they gave the kid uh, this gun. I think it is uh, appalling that they did nothing. Now, whether or not the school authorities are similarly uh, responsible, uh, I, I, I think that their responsibility is probably less than the parents. I doubt the school officials were even informed that the kid just got a gun. I doubt the school safety uh, officer, the deputy on site, I doubt he was informed that this troubled kid had just gotten a gun for his birthday. It is, I, I mean, to think that the parents have no responsibility, that to me. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Is a classic example of how we forgive parents for neglecting their responsibilities. A minor child, you buy him a gun, you know the kid's in trouble emotionally because you've been called into school. How could you not? How could you not think? Well, what about that gun I gave him yesterday? I mean, I, I think it's appalling. In Cuyahoga Falls, is Mike uh, still there? Hello, Mike. Yeah, I'm here. I'm what's here. what's on your mind, buddy? What's on your mind? Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna jump into the the uh, school shooting. Uh, sure. Talk. I, you know, I, I feel like we don't know all the facts yet. I did not hear yet that they got it for him for his birthday. Because I've been try- I tried to find as much information about this as soon as you can, but you you know it takes a couple days. But I hadn't heard that part yet. And I didn't know if that's conf- is that confirmed. I I I can't answer. Uh, maybe Rob could. Uh, We've been reporting. Get- I, I haven't heard anything about a birthday, but we have been reporting that the that the gun ha- was a gift from the parents to the child. Was were and and re- a recent gift. 
Yes, a recent game. Yeah, in the last right. uh, 10 days or so, yes, at least 10 right. days. Right, right, right. at right. the most, so, at the most. So what's your th- feeling I, about I, it now? Well, I, I feel like, you know, you, you're right in, in a lot of ways, and but there still are, you know, if they got the gun said, hey, this is for you, I'm holding on to it when we go out and shoot, you know, that's fine. That's perfectly legal. They have possession of the firearm. He does not have possession. He, you know, as far as I know, laws, he can go with the parents and go to a shooting range. He can. You know, that's true. Right. So, so I don't think we should hang the parents first already yeah. and say that they're negligent because we don't know the, the, the facts of the whole case yet. But here's my biggest concern about all of this is is I feel like there should be accountability for people who are bullying too because it's like they just get away scot-free it's like well you know hey the school I understand that I got you I got your mic and the the school is denying vehemently that this kid was ever bullied to their knowledge so there's no bullying as far as I know on the scene. Mike, I got to move on. Let me just take John. John, where are you, where are you calling from, John? Hello, Geraldo. Big fan of yours because I know you're Thank a good you. friend. Of, you were a good friend of John Lennon, so I'm a big fan. One thing, okay. you are absolutely 100% correct. Those parents have the death of those kids as much as that kid. Who, what sane parent gives a child a gun that they're not regulating or keeping in the safe? You're right. Why do you give him a semi-automatic Sig Sauer? Why do you give him a gun like that anyway? You're gonna, what are you going to use it for? What are you going to use that semi-automatic for? The, the parents probably don't even look in the kid's room to know if the kid's trouble or not. And you're giving them a gun? I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. What? Absolutely. All right. See you, John. Thank you. All right. Before I run out of time, let's roll. I, I'm going to shift. Uh, I'm, I hate to give you a whiplash here, but I think what's happening in the Supreme Court of the United States on the abortion issue is huge. The abortion law that stood for over 50 years is going to be overturned, in my opinion. Uh, here's uh, Neil Cavuto, the show from yesterday. Let's get the read on this from Aurelio Rivera. I know he doesn't seem that old, but he was back there in 1973 following that case development. He was kind enough to join us. John Yu. I don't think John was even born yet, but I could be wrong. The former deputy assistant (laughs) attorney general law professor at the University of California at Berkeley. Gentlemen, thank you both. Geraldo, to you on what could be shaping up to be not maybe the turning it off, but but changing Roe v. Wade. Where where do you think this is going? I I would say that the odds are in favor of that that conclusion. I, I believe that with the super conservative majority on this court now, with Gorsuch, Coney Barrett, and Kavanaugh, the justices added by uh, Donald Trump, it's now a 6-3 conservative supermajority. I think they're very keen on overturning or modifying Wade. You also have the technological aspect of it, Neil. Uh, Roe is based on viability. That is the fetus ability to live outside the womb independently. And in 1973, 21 to 24 weeks, maybe, uh, this 15-week Mississippi law is getting uh, pretty close as the technology improves for for taking care of, uh, you know, fetal health. Uh, So I I believe that you have a very uh, uh, fraught circumstance here where the conservatives are in a position to modify profoundly 
Roe v. Wade. I, I believe that that is the odds-on uh, uh, destination where the court is headed right now, Neil. You know, if they do line up, as Araldo said, John, to, to their, you know, uh, philosophical bend, uh, it's a 6-3 conservative court. Um, it, it certainly was mirrored in a lot of the questioning um, from, from the justices. What did you learn from that? First, I just want to make clear, I was around for Roe, but I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I agree with Geraldo's read. You have a conservative supermajority. You had Chief Justice Roberts, whose vote may not matter here because you have these five other conservative justices throwing out a compromise that sounds a lot like what you were discussing, Neil, where he might say, OK, Roe versus Wade requires us to strike down laws that interfere with abortion before viability, which is around 23, 24 weeks of pregnancy. Roberts says, well, what's so bad about 15 weeks? Maybe that means we toss out the Roe-Casey framework, but we'll still allow a right to abortion up to 15 weeks. The interesting thing is you didn't hear any of the other justices taking the bait for that compromise. In fact, the, I think the most startling thing to me listening to arguments was that Justice Kavanaugh, who was a big question mark, really could be the fifth vote here hmm. uh, to strike down or overturn Roe. He actually seemed pretty clear that he wasn't going to pay much deference to past decisions, and he thought the court should just be neutral on abortion. He repeated that several times in the oral argument. I think that would have been—that's probably been a surprise for a lot of court watchers to see Kavanaugh come out so openly against precedent and possibly against Roe. Interesting. You know, uh, Geraldo, in, in listening to Justice Sotomayor on this question of viability of a fetus, for lack of a better explanation, you guys are great lawyers. I'm not. But I've watched enough law shows to become an expert. But I'm curious, Geraldo, she was asking about the viability of that fetus and what's so special at that time, at that moment, referring to the fact we're dead people, you could poke them on the foot or the hand and, and that they would have, you know, uh, a response. But that didn't mean that, that, that they, they were alive. I, I don't quite know what she was getting at, but the point being that there was nothing magical to that time or reading in to life at that time. What did you make of that? I think the court, Neil, has struggled over the decades to find a line where the rights of the woman uh, are now subordinate to the rights of the fetus. At what point does that happen? That is uh, viability. So they're trying to draw the line and they're struggling with it. But it is clear that viability, as defined in, in, uh, in 2021, will be, I think, what they hang their hats on and the, what the justification that they use to overturn, you know, this stare decisis, this concept that because the law uh, because the decision has been in place for decades and has stood so many legal challenges, it should be given a, a profound deference. But I, I really do believe, you know, I, I think that what President Biden has to do right now is to remind America of the movement that took place when I was a law school graduate in 1969 and 1970, the movement whereby they wanted to get uh, abortions out of the back alleys. Right. And they were talking about the women who died with coat hangers stuck up, uh, you know, into their wombs trying to abort the fetus themselves and to provide a safe, legal. That's what, that's what Roe was about. It's a single, pregnant, poor woman in Texas who wanted to, a safe abortion and couldn't afford to go to, uh, to New York or someplace else to get one. So I, I, this is very emotional. It's fraught with, uh, with all of these uh, competing equities. Uh, it, religion is deeply involved in this. 
Uh, but I believe that, that what they'll do is they'll use viability and move that, move that line back from 24 weeks, 23 weeks that, uh, that John suggested and get it lower and lower and closer and closer to Mississippi. And as Roberts said, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts said, why not 15 weeks? So I, I really do, I'm not stating my preference, Neil. I'm, I'm just saying that this is uh, what I believe will happen with this court as it struggles with this, uh, with this epic, uh, epic uh, problem here. John, you not a great deal of time left, but I'm curious if it then reverts to something like Geraldo said, where the 24 weeks is moved back to 15 weeks, uh, the analogy that, that, that some were using to say, all right, then, then different people have to go to different states uh, where there are other laws, but would then 15 hmm. weeks be the law of the land? I, I didn't understand that. Now, 15 weeks is just Mississippi's choice. If Roe gets overturned, we should be clear that doesn't mean abortions banned throughout the country. It just returns it to the states, like Mississippi, to make their own decisions. So a state like that's California that might be still at the 24 is not affected by this decision? Yeah. Right. In fact, this just means the Supreme Court will stop drawing those lines. I and see. part of the court was saying it's too hard. Let legislatures do it. Let states do it. But that means people are yeah. running back and forth to different states depending on what has the, 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 the fewest restrictions, right? Yeah. Ohio, my state, Neil, yeah, has I'm... a fetal heartbeat law where if you can detect a heartbeat in the fetus, that's where abortion becomes illegal. I, I mean, that could be as, as early as six mm. weeks. I think right. that those laws in Ohio and, and similar states, those laws will be ruled unconstitutional. But I, I do think that uh, there's going to be some movement here and it's not going to please everybody. Yeah, it is a divisive issue, gentlemen, as you pointed out, whether you remember it literally or not 50 years ago, uh, but some changes, maybe some very big ones afoot. I want to thank them. I want to thank you. Here comes the five. Let's get to read on this from Aurelio Rivera. I know he doesn't seem that old, but he was back there in 1973 following that case development. He was kind enough to join us. John, you? I don't think John was even born yet, but I could be wrong. The former deputy assistant <laughs> attorney general law professor at the University of California at Berkeley. Gentlemen, thank you both. Geraldo, to you on what could be shaping up to be, not maybe the turning it off, but, but changing Roe v. Wade. Where, where do you think this is going? I, I would say that the odds are in favor of that uh, that uh, that conclusion. I, I believe that with the super conservative majority on this court now, with Gorsuch, Coney Barrett, and Kavanaugh, the justices added by uh, Donald Trump, it's now a six-three conservative supermajority. I think they're very keen on overturning or modifying Wade. You also have the technological aspect of it, Neil. Uh, Roe is based on viability, that is, the fetus ability to live outside the womb independently. And uh, in 1973, 21 to 24 weeks, maybe, uh, this 15-week Mississippi law is getting uh, pretty close as the technology improves for, uh, for taking care of, uh, you know, fetal health. Uh, so I, I believe that you have a very uh, uh, fraught cir circumstance here where the conservatives are in a position to modify profoundly Roe v. Wade. I, I believe that that is the odds-on uh, uh, destination where the court is headed right now, Neil. You know, if they do line up, as Araldo said, John, to, to their, you know, uh, philosophical bent, uh, it's a 6-3 conservative court. Um, it, it certainly was mirrored in a lot of the questioning um, from, from the justices. What did you learn from that? 
First, I just want to make clear, I was around for Roe, but I don't remember it. So. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with Geraldo's read. You have a conservative supermajority. You had Chief Justice Roberts, whose vote may not matter here, because you have these five other conservative justices throwing out a compromise that sounds a lot like what you were discussing, Neil, where he might say, okay, Roe versus Wade requires us to strike down laws that interfere with abortion before viability, which is around 23, 24 weeks of pregnancy. Robert says, well, what's so bad about 15 weeks? Maybe that means we toss out the Roe-Casey framework, but we'll still allow a right to abortion up to 15 weeks. The interesting thing is, you didn't hear any of the other justices taking the bait for that compromise. In fact, the, I think the most startling thing to me listening to arguments was that Justice Kavanaugh, who was a big question mark, really could be the fifth vote here hmm. uh, to strike down or overturn Roe. He actually seemed pretty clear that he wasn't going to pay much deference to past decisions, and he thought the court should just be neutral on abortion. He repeated that several times in the oral argument. I think that would have been—that's probably been a surprise for a lot of court watchers to see Kavanaugh come out so openly against precedent and possibly against Roe. Interesting. You know, uh, Geraldo, in, in listening to Justice Sotomayor on this question of viability of a fetus, for lack of a better explanation, you guys are great lawyers. I'm not. But I've watched enough law shows to become an expert. But I'm curious, Geraldo, she was asking about the viability of that fetus and what's so special at that time, at that moment, referring to the fact we're dead people, you could poke them on the foot or the hand and, and that they would have, you know, uh, a response. But that didn't mean that, that, that they, they were alive. I, I don't quite know what she was getting at, but the point being that there was nothing magical to that time or reading in to life at that time. What did you make of that? I think the court, Neil, has struggled over the decades to find a line where the rights of the woman uh, are now subordinate to the rights of the fetus. At what point does that happen? That is uh, viability. So they're trying to draw the line and they're struggling with it. But it is clear that viability, as defined in, in, uh, in 2021, will be, I think, what they hang their hats on and the, what the justification that they use to overturn, you know, this stare decisis, this concept that because the law uh, because the decision has been in place for decades and has stood so many legal challenges, it should be given a, a profound deference. But I, I really do believe—you know, I, I think that what President Biden has to do right now is to remind America of the movement that took place when I was a law school graduate in 1969 and 1970, the movement whereby they wanted to get uh, abortions out of the back alleys. Right. And they were talking about the women who died with coat hangers stuck up, uh, you know, into their wombs trying to abort the fetus themselves and to provide a safe, legal—that's what, that's what Roe was about. It's a single, pregnant, poor woman in Texas who wanted to, a safe abortion and couldn't afford to go to, uh, to New York or someplace else to get one. So I, I, this is very emotional. It's fraught with, uh, with all of these uh, competing equities. Uh, it, religion is deeply involved in this. Uh, and, but I believe that, that what they'll do is they'll use viability and move that, move that line back from 24 weeks, 23 weeks that, uh, that John suggested, and get it lower and lower and closer and closer to Mississippi. And as Roberts said, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts said, why not 15 weeks? So I, I really do—I'm not stating my preference, Neil. I'm, I'm just saying that this is uh, what I believe will happen with this court as it struggles with this, uh, with this epic, uh, epic 
uh, problem here. John, you not a great deal of time left, but I'm curious if it then reverts to something like Geraldo said, where the 24 weeks is moved back to 15 weeks. Uh, the analogy that, that that some were using to say, all right, then, then different people have to go to different states uh, where there are other laws. But would then 15 hmm. weeks be the law of the land? I, I didn't understand that. Now, 15 weeks is just Mississippi's choice. If Roe gets overturned, we should be clear that doesn't mean abortions banned throughout the country. It just returns it to the states, like Mississippi, to make their own decisions. So a state like and that's one that might be still at the 24 is not affected by this decision. Yeah. Right. In fact, this just means the Supreme Court will stop drawing those lines. I and see. part of the court was saying it's too hard. Let legislatures do it. Let states do it. But that means people are yeah. running back and forth to different states depending on what has the, 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 the fewest restrictions, right? Yeah. Ohio, my state, Neil, yeah, has I'm... a fetal heartbeat law where if you can detect a heartbeat in the fetus, that's where abortion becomes illegal. I, I mean, that could be as, as early as six weeks. I think right. that those laws in Ohio and, and similar states, those laws will be ruled unconstitutional. But I, I do think that uh, there's going to be some movement here and it's not going to please everybody. Yeah, it is a divisive issue, gentlemen, as you pointed out, whether you remember it literally or not 50 years ago, uh, but some changes, maybe some very big ones afoot. I want to thank them. I want to thank you. Here comes the five. Enough with my sage commentary. Uh, my beautiful wife joins us. Hi, honey. How are you? Hi. Hi. Well, I'm upset about this. I bet. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I don't want to leave our daughters and granddaughters a world in which they have fewer rights and opportunities than we did. And it's so sad. You have women from my mom's generation who became feminists because of this, because they can remember giving themselves, not my mom, but um, my aunt did, uh, you know, life-threatening, dangerous abortions in back alleyways or having to convince a doctor to risk the doctor's life to give an abortion and risking the woman's life. And we know that poor women, mostly women of color, will be impacted by strict abortion laws. And to Justice Roberts' question, uh, 15 weeks, well, okay, 15 weeks now, but then next year it'll become 12 weeks, and the year after that, 10 weeks, and there are 20 states ready to go with laws banning Look abortion. Look about Ohio. Ohio yeah, has the fetal Ohio. heartbeat law. Absolutely. So this will this is a fundamental constitutional right for women. And if this overturns Roe for no apparent good reason, it's become so politicized for votes. And, you know, women's lives are at risk. This is a medical procedure to keep women safe. And it, I think that personally, if men could, ha could get pregnant, this would not be a question. So this is no, a I, I agree. question about women. It, it's about our rights. It's also an existential I, question about the legitimacy of the court and how politicized the court will become now. And will the court survive this when a law that's been upheld by 15 justices over 50 years is overturned? And we all saw Trump electing three conservative justices to do this. What will this say about the 2022 midterms? And maybe this is what will finally rally the Democratic Party together. Or the fight. other way around. Okay, I got you. But uh, this is very, very, this is very, very political. It's, it's frightening. It's political. I think that uh, in states like Ohio that has the fetal heartbeat, there are other states that have six weeks as the limit. Most women don't know they're even pregnant.
six weeks uh, exactly. uh, into uh, into carrying the child. But I, I and and I I fear that it will be a return to back alley abortions. And I I, I wonder. I remember remember uh, in D.C. Uh, the uh, the day of the inauguration or the day after the inauguration, all of those women and, and men, but mostly women, with the pink hats on uh, in Washington, D.C. to, to protest exactly, exactly this, exact thing. right, exactly this thing. So it would be yeah, uh, and then the lecturing on the troublesome. of life when kids still go to school and get shot and there are dangerous military style weapons that are on the streets that, uh, you know, people can get guns without background checks. And this only happens in America where kids are worried about going to school to get shot. Well, um, I got you. I got you. I got you. I'm out of time, but I appreciate you coming on. And, and there's no talk about what happens after the child is born. I mean, they mentioned adoption, but that's an, an awful idea for many women who don't want to, to go through a whole pregnancy and then give up their child, but they can't afford their child. I got you, honey. Okay. I got you. I, mi- I miss I'm you. I'm fired up. <laughs> I know. I miss you. I'm coming home. Good. I'm coming home. I miss you. I love you. Save that, save that fire for me. I'm coming. <laughs> okay. I, I love you. We obviously will track, ladies and gentlemen, where the court goes on this pivotal issue. Uh, but I think that if you believe the country is divided now, uh, just wait a few weeks as the Supreme Court uh, makes a decision on an issue that affects the lives of so many millions of Americans. Whether you stand uh, for Roe v. Wade or uh, for the right to life, uh, this is an issue that uh, concerns you or your, uh, your grandchildren, uh, your children. Uh, you've got to pay attention to it. Uh, it, is, uh, it is something that it will be... Uh, having a dramatic impact on the lives of so many Americans. Thank you for listening. I'm Geraldo Rivera reporting Roadkill. Roadkill with Geraldo Rivera. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.